It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are Locked On Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we're taking a second look at Dean Pease's schematic tendencies, talking about how his actions speak louder than his words and how that may influence the Falcon selection at the top of the 2022 NFL draft. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter, at FalcFans, and, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast. You are daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, as well as now on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel and give us a like when you do. So today's episode is sort of building off of the cornerback review episode where I talked about uh, Dean Pease's schematic tendencies and the tendency towards zone coverage versus man coverage and how that kind of conflicts with what sort of Dean Pease said towards the end of the 2021 season, talking about the Falcons willingness to improve on defense and, and wanting to get better in man coverage. And for those of you that missed that episode, here are the cliff notes or spark notes. I'm dating myself when I call it cliff notes. Uh, basically Dean Pease wants to be a bend but don't break style of defense. And you saw that express in the Falcons defense throughout the 2021 season. But in the first seven or so games of the season, the Falcons were very zone heavy. They ran zone about 72% of the time on passing downs during those first seven games. But then in that eighth game, starting with the week nine game against the Saints and running through the week 13 game against uh, the, the Buccaneers, they played a lot more man coverage. They played about 52% zone or 48% man. And for those of you that don't know, rarely do you see teams playing man on the majority of their snaps. It happens from time to time, but uh, you know, across multiple games is usually if you're playing less than 60% zone, that usually means that you play a lot of man coverage, certainly an above average rate. So 52% zone, 48% man is is a high rate of man coverage relative to most teams in the NFL. Uh, But then after that Buccaneers game in week 13, the Falcons for the final five games of the season switched back to more of that zone heavy approach playing zone about 69% of the time. And the argument I made in that cornerback review episode last month 
um, or a couple of weeks ago now, uh, was that during that five-game stretch when the Falcons were primarily playing a lot more man, that was mostly based around individual game matchups. And you saw games against the Saints, the Patriots, and Jaguars during that stretch of games, squaring off against some of the weaker wide receiver cores in the league, and the Falcons felt confident that they could man up those guys. Um, and then you saw the Dallas game being a man-heavy approach because that was basically based off of what DMP said, a mid-game adjustment where the Falcons wanted to play zone, but because of some mental errors early in that game, they switched to simplify things to play more man. And the reason why they played a lot more man against the Bucks in that second matchup in Week 13 was because the Bucks lit up their zone coverage in that Week 2 matchup, and their man coverage outside of the red zone was relatively effective in that Week 2 coverage. And the Falcons thought, okay, well, that worked then, maybe it'll work again. Uh, it didn't, by the way. <laughs> the Bucks lit them up, uh, regardless of what defense they played uh, in that Week 13 matchup. But I've gotten some pushback against that notion uh, since then. Shout out to Luke Carr, uh, one of the people that talked about this. And I heard him basically say, you know, in a nutshell, that the reason why Dean Pease didn't play as much man coverage as a lot of people think he should or could have was because essentially he didn't have the horses uh, to run a man-heavy scheme. Um, and that may be true. And we'll circle back to that notion uh, a little bit later. But, you know, I, I feel like, when you look at the 2021 body of work and you look at what Dean Pease said after the season or towards the end of the season, and you hear him say things like, oh, we want to get better on defense in two ways with the pass rush and uh, get better in man coverage. And you, you know, couple that with um, his 2021 opening presser that he did in January of 2020 when he first got hired and basically said, we want to be multiple up front. Uh, and simple on the back end. And at the time we talked about that on the podcast and we talked about maybe that means that he wants to play a lot more man coverage um, on the back. And that's typically what simple means uh, going back to what we talked about with that Dallas game and that mid game adjustment. And so you have all these words um, that Dean Pease wants to be, you know, a man heavy team or, or whatever the case may be. And I think it's an easy interpretation for people to have. Um, but like my interpretation of those words, particularly the improving man coverage was that he wanted to get better in man coverage in the specific instances that the Falcons tended to use more man coverage uh, in 2021. And that was mostly on third downs and in the red zone. And the Falcons were bad in those areas, uh, 30th in third down efficiency on defense, 24th in red zone efficiency on defense. And so by getting better in man coverage in those areas, you will see this team be able to get more stops and be able to play that bend but don't break style of defense that I think Dean Pease wants to play. More bending, less breaking. So, but despite all these words, right, that says man coverage, you know, the old saying is actions speak louder than words. And part of the reason why I'm skeptical of Dean Pease's words, because when you look at his actions, not only the 2021 season, um, in terms of the Falcons utilizing a lot more zone you can go back to his record in Tennessee and his actions there seem to indicate that he may not necessarily be as, you know, gung ho about playing a man heavy defense because he had a, many opportunities to do so in Tennessee and didn't quite do so. And we'll get into that and break that down as we continue today's lockdown Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to thank you for making lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. 
And I always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. Why not check out the Lockdown Bulldogs podcast where Clinton Daniel are still giving you guys a lowdown on all the fallout from Georgia's national championship win and whether or not they're poised to repeat this upcoming season, as well as all the things going on with the rest of Georgia uh, sports. Uh, so go check out the Lockdown Bulldogs podcast, free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you can find Lockdown Falcons, including on YouTube. So while football season may be over for not only Lockdown Falcons and Lockdown Bulldogs, basketball season is in full swing uh, with pro and college hoops. And you can find the latest odds, totals, player props, you know, the, some of those props being, you know, who's going to be the next fire coach. And you can find all of that at betonline.net, which is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, news, and more this season. And it's not just football. It's not just basketball. You can head over to BetOnline.net for hockey, boxing, UFC, Olympic coverage, Vegas casino games, all that and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.net. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to alternate routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So when we look at Dean Pease's actions, you know, we have to go back, you know, be, before he was in Atlanta. We got to go back to his time in Tennessee. And we actually have to go back to before his time in Tennessee to really get the full context there. And let's look at the 2017 Titans, the year before Dean Pease's arrival there. This was the final year of Mike Malarkey. Dick LeBeau was the defensive coordinator for that team. And that offseason, heading into that 2017 season, the Titans went out and signed Logan Ryan, fresh off of shutting down Muhammad Sanu in the Super Bowl. And you know I got to take my shots when I get the opportunity. Uh, and they also drafted Adoree Jackson with one of their first-round picks uh, in that 2017 draft. And that season, due to these additions, the Titans were one of the most man-heavy defenses in the NFL According to Pro Football Focus, they utilized man coverage at the third highest in the league that year behind Kansas City and New England. I think it was about 44% if uh, I can recall correctly. So obviously, you know, the malarkey regime got fired. LeBeau's out. Mike Vrabel comes in. He brings in Dean Pease basically after like four weeks of being retired. Um, and the Titans go out there and sign Malcolm Butler in free agency, uh, you know, after his Super Bowl debacle in the Eagles game where he was mysteriously benched. I still don't even know why he got benched in that game, but you know, having Butler coming from that new England system, again, that was number two in the league uh, in man coverage, just ahead of the Titans 
the previous year and with the Titans usage of Ryan and Jackson the previous year as their top two corners, you would think that, oh, this Titans team is going to be one of the man heaviest defenses in the NFL. And while they still was certainly above average, they weren't uh, as utilizing as much man coverage in 2018 under Dean Pease as they did the previous year under Dick LeBeau. They fell, according to the Sports Info Solutions, in terms of their man coverage usage to 12th place during that 2018 season. And then during the 2019 season, I don't know exactly where they placed there, um, but they utilized less man coverage the following season than they did the previous season. Now you may look at it and say, well, Malcolm Butler got hurt, Aaron. That's why they dialed back their man coverage. And so they didn't have the horses necessarily uh, to run as much man coverage. That's not necessarily true. Uh, Early in that season, in that 2019 season, we were talking about, they actually were very man phobic. Let's say that they were very zone centric uh, in terms of their defense. And then only started dialing up, uh, man coverage towards the middle of the season. Then after Butler got hurt, they were about league average uh, in terms of their man coverage usage. So it's notable to me that despite having the talent in Tennessee, presumably with Butler and Ryan and, and Jackson to play a lot more man defense, Dean Pease elected not to. All right. Now, again, they still were an above average team overall. Uh, in terms of their usage of man coverage across those two seasons, but it was much closer to league average than it was near the top of the league is the point I'm trying to make. And you would think that with their personnel, they should have been near the top of the league. So that to me is interesting when we look at Dean Pease's actions, when we talk about his actions speaking louder than his words, his words say, I want to be man heavy. But when you had the personnel to do that, you didn't necessarily live up to that. Now, before we sort of sit here and, and then conclude based off of, you know, those two years in Tennessee, oh, well, Dean Pease wants to be a zone heavy defense, all these various things. Let's get further context by looking at his last couple of years in Baltimore. Um, and I, I think we really do need to look at Dean Pease's uh, tenure in Baltimore more carefully, because I think one of the mistakes that I constantly hear people in my, at least my interpretation of a mistake is that they're constantly Using Wink Martindale, who uh, took over for Dean Pease after he retired following the 2017 season as Baltimore's defensive coordinator and was there for the last four years and now is with the Giants after his uh, dismissal this past season. And they look at Wink Martindale, who the Baltimore Ravens over the last couple of years have been one of the most man-heavy defenses in the league, right? And I think I've heard a lot of people, and this has been the case since we hired Dean Pease last year, is like people use like Wink Martindale and say, oh, well, Wink likes this. And so therefore he learned that from Dean Pease. And so therefore Dean Pease likes that. And that doesn't make any sense. Like, why are you using Wink Martindale's body of work to discuss Dean Pease's body of work when we have Dean Pease's body of work? Like, to me, that's the equivalent of like using Sean McVay's offense and saying that describes what Kyle Shanahan wants to do when it's like, we already have, we already know what Kyle Shanahan does because we can look at this. Why are we looking at Sean McVay? It's like, there may be similarities. There may be overlap there, but it's more, it's not, you don't, they're not interchangeable. Um, so I think we got to go back to not necessarily what Baltimore's done the last four years. We got to go back to what Baltimore did, especially in that 2017 season. And that was Dean Pease's last year there in Baltimore. And relative to some of the previous years, the Ravens did utilize a lot more man coverage in that 2017 season. Now I don't know exactly where they ranked, but my best guess is somewhere in that 10 to 12 range um, that year. 
and so they were an above average usage of man coverage that coincided with their selection of Marlon Humphrey in the middle of that first round. He was taken two spots ahead of Rodori Jackson by the Titans in that 2017 draft. They also went out and signed Brandon Carr in free agency. They did wind up losing Tavon Young in um, the summer due to an, an ACL tear. So they took a little bit of a hit there at the cornerback position, but clearly they were moving towards a, a team that wanted to play a little bit more man defense in that 2017 season. And so uh, that's a change from what we saw in previous years where they were kind of up and down from year to year. And to me, what's notable about that is that it seems to indicate that Dean Pease is willing to tailor his scheme towards his personnel. Like some years they were low man uses, some years they were high man uses, you know, it just sort of up and down throughout his time in Baltimore. And that, again, a testament to Dean Pease being much more versatile and flexible with what his scheme is going to be. And I think that's probably the key thing to take away from his Baltimore time, not necessarily trying to use Wink Martindale's record in Baltimore to sort of indicate what Dean Pease wants to do. It's that versatility. It's that flexibility that Dean Pease showed. Um, and that may wind up having the most major ramifications despite all we're talking about with, you know, what he wanted to do in Atlanta and Tennessee to what the Falcons may wind up doing this upcoming draft when it comes to that, you know, their ability to invest in the cornerback position. Cause again, I know so many of you guys are really obsessed with who the Falcons are potentially going to take at that eighth overall spot. And we'll get into sort of what Dean Pease's record may tell us about that as we continue today's uh, Locked On Falcons podcast. But I want to thank you again for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. And make sure you are following Locked On NFL, where the Locked On experts are covering all the biggest stories from around the NFL every single Monday through Friday. And of course, you can find Locked On NFL available on all the same podcast platforms you find Locked On Falcons, including on YouTube. So today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local auto parts chain store to stock all the parts that you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer when you already have access to rockauto.com in your pocket or at home? Save time and money when using Rock Auto instead of spending up to twice as much for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and they have reliably low prices for every customer. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Just go to rockauto.com right now. And you can see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I know that last point about Dean Pease's flexibility and versatility seems to be undermining my original point that says, oh, well, his actions say that he wants to be more of a zone guy than a man guy. That's probably true, but at the same time, I, I think it the more important thing when you examine Dean Pease's record is that he's going to play towards his personnel. And I think that's ultimately the conclusion I've reached. 
And instead of listening to what Dean Pease says or, or, or looking at what he does and thinking, oh, he wants this, I ultimately don't think it really matters what Dean Pease wants. You know, I think the biggest mistake that we probably are making right now, and again, this is just my opinion, and we'll see if it's true. But I think the biggest assumption, the biggest mistake that we're making is thinking that Dean Pease is actually driving the bus, so to speak, right? That when you look at last year's offseason moves and, and additions, particularly in free agency, the Falcons didn't sign really anybody out there that had previous experience under Dean Pease. The only players that they went after that they added to the roster that were known to Dean Pease that he had coached previously was Stephen Means when he was an undrafted rookie in 2014 and Darren Bates, who was a midseason pickup uh, that was a special teams player for Dean Pease in Tennessee. Right. Everybody else that the Falcons essentially signed were known to other assistant coaches, but by and large, it wasn't Dean Pease picking up his guys. It was basically like, I'll make it work with all of your guys referring to the assistant coaches. And so I, I think it would be wrong for us to assume that Dean Pease is actually pushing for a certain style of play or a certain scheme or a certain uh, type of personnel that he wants the Falcons to bring in here. And, you know, I think part of that we have to factor in that when we go back to last April, again, we, we're, we're not as up on the Falcons process, but the one thing we do know uh, was that the coaches weren't even in the room, or at least the assistant coaches weren't even in the room when the Falcons were making their draft decisions. So this idea that the coaches are sort of driving the personnel, I don't think is necessarily true. Now, it may be true that maybe now that they're a year into it, they're settled into the process, maybe the coaches like Dean Pease and others may be able to assert more will and, and steer the ship a little bit more this offseason with the Falcons personnel. That's that's a possibility. I can't I can't outright dismiss that as a possibility. But again, based off of what we know so far, it doesn't seem like that's the case. And I think, you know, Dean Pease's perspective, and again, just spitballing, guessing, speculating, doing all the things that I do on this podcast on a daily basis, I think he's basically like, I'll take whoever you get me and I'll make the best of it and I'll make it work. And I, you know, I think that was probably what happened in 2017 with Baltimore, which I believe 2017 was the last draft of Ozzie Newsom. Uh, I could be mistaken in that. He was either 2017 or 2018. No, I think it was 2018 because I think he was in the room when they drafted Lamar Jackson. So, um, but anyway, like, I, I think it was one of those things where we, we know Ozzie was driving the bus when it came to their draft decisions. And it wasn't necessarily like Dean Pease, like, you got to get me this guy. You got to get me this guy. And I imagine it works a similar way here in Atlanta where Terry Fontenot's sort of the guy making the decisions. And so when we apply that to this offseason, you know, when we look at this eighth overall pick at the top of the 2022 draft, you know, I, does that mean that the Falcons could definitely pull the trigger on a cornerback that high in the draft? Absolutely. It's certainly a possibility. Um, but I think that will be the case if Terry Fontenot and, and the other decision makers in the room deem that cornerback to be the best player available. Um, and if it is, then they'll draft that player. And it's not necessarily going to be because, you know, Dean Pease is out here saying, I want to play more man coverage. I want to be this man heavy scheme. You know, I, I think they'll come out of this draft feeling like this is the best player. And, and we may see that even result in DMPs not playing as much man coverage as we would assume, you know, if they were to draft someone like a sauce Gardner or Derek Stanley, we'd be like, Oh, we're going to play man, nothing but man coverage. And then we'll come out, you know, week one and, and pl still play zone 65 to 70% of the time or something like that. So we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. So I say all this in, in sort of my final conclusions on, on this subject are, you know, one, I wouldn't necessarily interpret what Dean P said at the end of the season or what he may have said in previous instances uh, 
to want to get better at man coverage to indicate that he wants to play this Wink Martindale style defense. I think you got to take Wink Martindale completely out of the equation when it comes to the Falcons moving forward. You know, I think my conclusion still remains. I think Dean Pease wants to be, you know, not necessarily a zone heavy scheme, but still wants to rely heavily on the zone uh, to sort of be the foundation of what he wants to do defensively with all the disguise and all the various things that he wants to do. Now, I think the second conclusion I have is that the Falcons could certainly take a cornerback at eight, but if they do, I don't think it's going to be because their scheme, as we just discussed, demands it. I just think it's going to be because they, in this case, Terry Fontenot, deem cornerback to be the best player available. And my third conclusion is that I do think if they do take one of the premier press man corners in this draft, then I suspect Dean Pease will tailor his system more towards that player skill set than we saw certainly last year. So the larger point is I think the Falcons' decisions are going to be more personnel-driven, not necessarily scheme-driven. So when we say things like, oh, Dean Pease wants this or Dean Pease wants that, I essentially think we're kind of just making that up, right? Like, I don't know if, if what Dean Pease wants is is what we're saying. It's like, I think what Dean Pease wants, again, if I, if I could sit here and make things up for a second, I think what Dean Pease wants is a smart, disciplined defense that does everything well, whether that's play man, whether it's play zone, whether it's rush the quarterback, whether it's blitz, all these various things. Like, he wants to do it all, right? And the better his defense is, you know, the more capable it is of doing it all. But in terms of like, I want this style of defense. I want that, you know, I want a Wink Martindale style defense. I want a Dick LeBeau style of defense. I want a, you know, whatever style defense. You know, I don't know if that's really what Dean Pease is pushing for. So um, that being said, I, I still am a believer that, you know, if the Falcons had their druthers on which type of cornerback that they would want, they would still probably prefer Trent McDuffie, the cornerback out of Washington over some of the other guys that are more press man exclusive guys. Because, again, I don't necessarily know when you look at these top corners like a Sauce Gardner and like a Derek Stingley that you want to put them in a scheme that isn't playing man coverage 40, 50, 50% of the time and, and particularly playing press uh, coverage, you know, the vast majority of times with that man coverage. So again, I, I think Trent McDuffie sort of offers that balance of still being able to play man at a relatively high level, but also being very adept in playing zone coverage, which is, you know, essentially what AJ Terrell um, is in, in my eyes. Um, as a, as a prospect, you know, as a player, AJ Terrell has, you know, in, improved significantly in terms of his ability to lock up guys in man coverage. And we knew that because going back to what we talked about in that 2020 draft off season, which was the reasons why the Falcons love AJ Terrell, because the, again, the Falcons back then were m- much more of a man heavy scheme than what they are today or what the Titans were back then. And AJ Terrell had the, the physical, tools, uh, athleticism alongside guys like Jeff Okuda and CJ Henderson, that when you looked at the three guys that were sort of the premier athletes from that draft class, those were the three guys that you would point to and say, okay, these are the guys that are likely to be the best man cover guys. And I think what's going to be interesting to watch with this cornerback group, and we'll, we'll find out these answers once we get to the combine or based off of the, the current rhetoric that, you know, we may have a bunch of guys not work out at the combine. So I guess we might have to wait till the pro days, but seeing how some of these guys test and measure to see whether or not they have that sort of high end athleticism to make you think that, you know, they could also be high level uh, man cover corners. And again, I I think, you know, McDuffie offers that potential, but we will just sort of see if that uh, winds up playing out. So 
that's kind of my thoughts on it. Again, I think cornerback is definitely a possibility, but I think that's mostly not because of Dean Pease. That's mostly because of Terry Fontenot will sit here and say, I think this is the best player on the board. But uh, obviously we have a lot more time to discuss uh, those issues as we continue this offseason here on Lockdown Falcons. Um, and that's where we'll leave today's episode. And tomorrow's episode, we'll probably do a Q&A. Um, there's a couple of listener questions uh, that have been sent in over the last couple of days that I do want to get to on tomorrow's episode. So if you have any uh, questions that you want to get answered on tomorrow's episode or future episodes, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter or Facebook at Lockdown Falcons via email at Lockdown Falcons, or you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. And again, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. And in addition to recommendations for your second listen to be Locked On Bulldogs, Locked On Hawks, or Locked On Braves, why not check out the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast? Again, uh, Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker are giving you the lowdown each and every day on the NFL Draft about the top prospect, the team fits, the team needs, and all these various things. And so if you're not getting your draft fixed quite to the degree here on the Locked On Falcons Podcast, of course you can get so. Um, the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, which is free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you find Locked On Falcons, including on YouTube. So, guys, that's going to do it for us here today on Locked On Falcons. Appreciate it. Till then. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.